is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Richard Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Andrew Ellsworth, ready to answer your medical questions. Dr. Ellsworth's specialty is family medicine. He works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Ellsworth. Good morning, Laura. Hello, September, right? Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Really lovely. All the Brookings students are back in school. And I just want to give a shout out to all those teachers and the staff at the schools who have worked so hard to... Um, make this an excellent school year as they always do, but also on top of that, taking into consideration so many safety precautions. And um, the report from our kids these first couple days has been pretty positive. Yeah, they seem very happy and happy with their classes. And yeah, they're wearing masks, but they said it hasn't been that big of a deal. And, and uh, Eli and I have been biking to school every day so far, and that's been a lot of fun. So yeah, it's good to enjoy these beautiful days right now and yeah the the yeah that was interesting to hear our 11 year old kind of just bring up on his own uh the masks were no big deal so yeah. that's that's good so um maybe we can all learn something from our kiddos <laughs> and just wear our masks no big deal everyone's doing it <laughs> yeah <laughs> which of course here in the radio station i just have to mention the three of us are wearing our masks so sure, that yeah. works too so um well we did have a question come in um after our show last week um so i want to follow up on that one the question is a listener has a family member that tested positive and had covid how long after they are over covid is it safe to be around them and is there any danger in being around them so someone tested positive for covid someone in their family how long after they are over covid is it safe to be around them well, we know that someone can be, can have COVID and not have symptoms and be contagious. And we know that you can, are most contagious right before you get symptom, symptoms, if someone gets symptoms, so early okay. in the course. So from what they've seen, uh, people uh, were able to transmit the virus to someone else, sometimes about two to three days before symptoms started with a peak of 0 0.7 days before symptoms started. So r that day before you, you start feeling sick yourself is actually usually when you're most um, contagious to okay. give the virus to someone else. And then it, it starts to go down after that. And there's really rarely any documented cases of someone that's had it for more than 10 days that passed it on to someone else. So now you could still test positive for sometimes even months afterwards. So, because they're testing for this little, 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 little bit of genetic RNA material with that COVID test when they're swabbing for okay. it. But that doesn't mean they're contagious. That doesn't mean they're transmitting it to others. Okay. So if someone's had it for 10 days, for sure if their symptoms have been going on for 10 days or they've been tested and it's been 10 days, the Department of Health is telling people they're okay and they're good to go. In fact, I've had a lot of people that they've been deemed recovered. Okay. Well, they're still having symptoms. They're still having a sore throat or fatigue or shortness of breath, 
but they're labeled as recovered. Uh, even though some, some of those patients I've seen are, are you know, when, what do I do? I still feel like crap, mm -hmm. but I'm recovered. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I, I don't like the way they're using the word recover, labeling some of these people as recovered in those situations, but they're not contagious anymore. Okay. So they can still, they can be with their family at that point then. Okay. And they can, uh, you know, do other things. Now, some places are, re have supposedly, rec you know, like in baseball, you hear about baseball players have to, if they test positive, they have to whatever, have three negatives before they can participate. And that's. I guess fine if that's how they want to do it, but it's kind of confusing. It, it's, it's not really science-based. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we're most contagious, you're saying, the day before symptoms start. Right. And right. then 10 days after symptoms start, that's after you, that... We think of you as not... As the, not contagious. Right. And so then right. it would be okay to see your family yeah. member or loved one. And there might be some people that are less contagious before then, and there could be a really rare case of someone being contagious after that, especially they found some that that are like critically ill, like in an intensive care unit in the hospital. They're super, super sick. Some yeah. of them are contagious longer. But okay. for anyone out out and about or feeling fine or mostly fine or mostly better, as long as the symptoms are improving and they've had it for 10 days uh, and they're fever free, you know, and stuff like that, then they should be should be fine. OK. Yeah. And what are we doing now for if someone in your family has COVID, um, like your, that you live with, your immediate family, is the whole family going in to get tested? Is that how that works right now or not necessarily? They wouldn't have to be. Okay. Um, some people want to be. Um, but the, the, so the person that has it is quarantined for 10 days. Mm -hmm. And any close contacts, because that's who's most at risk, the people that you live with. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, you know, since it could take two weeks to get symptoms, so sometimes they're recommending they quarantine for two weeks. Okay. But unfortunately, sometimes then, let's say, you know, a week into it, then they get symptoms, or two weeks into it, they get symptoms. And then now, then their 10 days start, right. and the two weeks for anyone they live with. So unfortunately, it can be really frustrating for some of these families so either it really helps to isolate well apart in the house or everyone get it at once which hopefully then everyone would be fine yeah but but there's certainly no guarantee of that either so uh it it gets complicated for some of these families and and uh uh you know unfortunately there's not a great answer always right well, it's time for us to go to our first break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Attention drivers, there are many bikers on the road. Please remember these rules. Share the road. Bicyclists have the same rights to the road as motor vehicles do. It is the law to allow three feet between your car and the bicyclist. Give bicyclists space on the road. When turning right, look right before proceeding. Always check the sidewalks as well as the traffic lanes when merging or turning. Slow down and watch for pedestrians and bicyclists. The Avera Medical Group Brookings encourages drivers as well as bikers to help prevent accidents. 
Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Before our break, we are talking a little bit about um, what to do if someone in your family has COVID-19 and when you can be around them again. Um, we had another question. Can you catch COVID-19 more than once? Well, there's been a few documented cases of that. It's been pretty, pretty rare, um, you know, and you wonder if there was some issue with that person's immune system or not, or were they positive and then now still just testing positive? You know, I don't know the answer to that either, you know, or maybe they got sick from something else and they were tested again and it came back positive. Well, maybe it was still positive from before. And so it gets a little tricky tricky to for sure uh sort that out mm -hmm. um but uh you know in in general it, i suppose it's possible you know and if this starts to become a seasonal thing like influenza and mutates some i'm sure someone could get it more than once but hopefully by then just like influenza so some of the population has immunity from vaccinations and some population has immunity from past exposure and so then it should be more manageable Okay. Hopefully. We've been hearing a lot about COVID how COVID-19 is tracked on death certificates. What information do death certificates provide? Yeah. So, you, you know, to be certified, the death certificate needs to have a cause of death, and that's helpful for tracking things uh, and, and, and diseases in a community. And, uh, um, yeah, there was a thing that came out that for... On, on those 180,000 plus people that have passed away uh, where COVID is, is listed, uh, how it was only COVID listed on 6% of those. But there's a lot of those where, and I would fill it out, they died from acute respiratory distress syndrome or, or some other, you know, they died from pneumonia or they died from, you know, a secondary to because of COVID-19. And so really COVID is what caused it. They didn't necessarily have any other medical conditions, but so, so there's certainly more than 6% that had, uh, you know, that didn't have other medical problems, but they had more than one thing listed on their death certificate because COVID caused this or COVID caused that. Um, now, granted, someone could have diabetes or, or heart disease or whatever, and that increases their risk. I think something like 40 something percent of the US population has some sort of chronic medical condition known. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, in, in let's, if you've had diabetes for years and you get COVID and then you pass away, well, it still is a COVID that, that got you sick and, and unfortunately caused you to pass away. So. Um, but we often may list diabetes on there because it's a contributing factor. Okay. And so um, it, it was a little interesting the way they worded that on there to s uh, about, oh, 94% had comorbidities. Well, 94% had other things listed on their death certificate, but that doesn't mean it was a comorbidity. Uh, weren't, no one is walking around the public with acute respiratory distress syndrome. They're in the ICU if you have that or the hospital. Uh, so I, I don't, uh, it was interesting how, how that got uh, uh, twisted sure, a little bit. Sure, that's a bit confusing. How many causes of death can you list? Like, 
you know they they list uh you know there's a you can list as many as you need to say this cause this cause this cause this you know sometimes a car okay. accident kills someone but maybe not for a week or two later and they died from sepsis because of a broken leg because of a car accident okay and and so they died from an infection and but that was caused from their broken leg that they got in a car accident so sure. the car accident's still the cause really sure. that was the underlying thing that caused it uh-huh. but what they died from though was infection Gotcha. And so, it, you know, and we're just trying to do our best here. These mm-hmm. are situations where, you know, if we have a test and we know, but there's sometimes where someone dies at home and, you know, we have to figure out and, and maybe an autopsy is done uh, or, you know, or maybe it's an elderly person in a nursing home and, uh, and we say they had a heart attack, mm-hmm. you know, but we don't always 100% know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so those sometimes uh you have to consider all your factors and make your best best professional judgment right gotcha all right um well it's time for us to take our next break we thank you for listening to prairie doc radio on kbrk and on our podcast call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns or questions you would like us to address Our programs are available on Apple Podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. The five major symptoms of a heart attack are chest pain or discomfort in the center or left side of the chest that lasts for more than a few minutes or goes away and comes back. The discomfort can feel like uncomfortable pressure, squeezing, fullness, or pain. You might feel weak, light-headed, or faint. You might even break out into a cold sweat. You may have pain or discomfort in the jaw, neck, or back. You may have pain or discomfort in one or both shoulders. Shortness of breath may come with the chest discomfort. Other symptoms of a heart attack could include unusual or unexplained tiredness and nausea or vomiting. Women are more likely to have these symptoms. Call 911 if you notice symptoms of a heart attack. Promoting health and safety, the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605 605- 692-1430. Here in Brookings, we have seen an increase in um, active COVID cases in our community. I think we're currently reporting 152 active cases as of yesterday. I think that was the report. Um, what, are, what are we seeing in Brookings? Well, th- yeah, there certainly has been an increase. I've been working our urgent care the last couple days in our respiratory clinic and doing swabs, and we're doing record number of swabs testing that we've done and i've seen a lot more sick people um than we had seen previously um and so you know uh, thankfully our a lot of our cases are uh younger healthier people that uh, should be just fine uh in the end uh but i've certainly seen people young healthy people that months later are still struggling to do their job uh because of lingering symptoms um and uh and still we don't know some of the long-term consequences on the body uh from this and uh uh we do have uh 
perhaps uh, I, I, I hesitate to say twice as many, but it seems like it because uh, I know they're looking for more help at the hospital from, uh, from our hospitalist that needs to be rounding on everyone. We have more people in the hospital right now than we have the last several months. Okay. Um, and I'm not saying those are all COVID cases, but we have had some people that we've had to send to the hospital and some that have had to get sent down to Sioux Falls. And so there are starting to be the, some of those more serious cases as well. And uh, um, so we just need to continue to be, do, be diligent and vigilant. I meant mm -hmm. uh, being, you know, what we can to help decrease the risk and, and wearing our masks and staying home if we're not feeling well uh, uh, and or getting tested if you want or need to and to being considerate of others and uh, um, trying to avoid large groups of people in enclosed uh, places. Um, and, uh, you know, all I can do is make a recommendation, uh, just like I recommend people not to smoke and not to drink. Mm -hmm. uh, excessively. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, uh, I don't always, um, I, um, you know, I don't, uh, make laws that say people need to exercise, but I certainly encourage people to exercise. Right. And I think uh, if we can all, uh, help to follow these rules and do what we can, uh, that we'll, we'll get over this well, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So keep, yeah, it's been interesting to watch the numbers this week, log in every day and kind of like, oh, oh boy, here we go. So yeah, we'll just see how that, we'll just keep watching, won't we? And keep doing our best to do our individual parts, that's for sure. So this week we um, saw in our Prairie Doc essay this week by Dr. Ken Bartholomew, who practices in Peer and also happens to serve on the Healing Words Foundation Board of Directors, he wrote a great essay um, encouraging all of us to take responsibility of our health and exercise our brains. Um, I know this is a passion of Dr. Bartholomew's. Um, he, I think he's written a book or two about it, and it's really fascinating when you kind of dive into it. We just, I think, don't really think about how we need to exercise our brains. Um, so very fascinating information um, in this week's Prairie Doc essay, which you can find in Monday's Brookings Register, or you can find it on the Prairie Doc website, which is prairiedoc.org. So he starts out his essay reminding us, you know, we, um, if you break your leg and you have it in a cast, uh, that leg muscle goes weak and then you have to retrain it and how our brain is the same way if we don't exercise it uh it goes weak tell us more dr Ellsworth. yeah it's a really great essay and he's got years of experience and he's written several books on the topic and uh it's a nice synopsis uh in his essay and uh you know it makes a lot of sense that it's you, you know it's often a use it or lose it deal with with the body and uh, uh, it's so important for us to exercise our minds, too. Um, and, and like you said, you know, if you uh, put a cast on your leg and you don't use it, that those muscles are going to be weaker and, it, and it's going to take rehab and time and effort to get that back up to uh, where you were before. Um, and uh, same with the with your brain and and also there's so many dimensions with the brain you know so math problems are different than reading is a different than uh sometimes spatial skills and awareness um and uh or social 
interaction. So, I mean, our brain, we need all this different stimulation and exercise helps our brain too. And so there's so many different dimensions uh, where that we can exercise our brain and, and do different types of puzzles and read different things and, and, and talk to people and, and, and think about maps and spatial skills and uh, all, those fat, all those help exercise our brain in different ways. And it's a great, great reminder and great, great idea. Yeah. It's interesting if you, you know, even helping our kids with um, math homework. <laughs> and yeah. You kind of have to like, do I remember that? Do yeah. I know that? Like I did know that yeah. once, these different <laughs> things. And if you don't exercise it, you kind of lose it. And But then with a little effort, it kind of come back, comes back to like, oh, yeah, yes. that's how that works. Or... Um, yeah. I don't know, many of us have maybe played a musical instrument as a student and maybe haven't touched it for... Yes, music, listening <laughs> to music years. can help exercise the brain in so many ways. So many studies have shown that, that students perform better in, in, in math and in good grades in general and in school because the music that classes they go to exercise their brain in a different way and it just all complements each other. Right. Uh, it, it, it's a it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. The brain is, is really amazing. Right. I um, I like how Dr. Bartholomew points out even how walking um, exercises our brain. I hadn't really thought about that way. I think of exercising for my body and getting moving. But how that um, let's see, what did he say? He says uh, um, multiple areas of the brain are strengthened by walking when we walk we strengthen the legs, but at the same time, we stimulate the nerves that signal the balance centers of the brain. These signals fire millions of times a second, coordinating our eyesight with inner ear and cerebral inputs. By practicing walking in a straight line, we target the balance and coordination centers, making them stronger, which can help prevent falls that dread, that may end up in a broken hip. So um, how our even physical activity really influences our brain is fascinating to think oh, about. Oh, yeah. And it's so, you know, that walk after lunch or supper or in the morning or whenever is so good for a person. Yeah. And if you can just get that habit going, uh, you know, even just doing it a few times makes it a lot easier to do it again and again. Uh, you know, like I brought up earlier this, this uh, morning, uh, we went biking on Monday and because uh, that's our annual tradition on the first day of school and uh but then that helped us to bike the next day and now it helped us bike a third day and i'm not gonna promise or think that i'm gonna bike every day the rest of the year and obviously when it gets winter i can't and some days i can't because of whatever is going on at the clinic or hospital or over the lunch hour or at night but uh it it uh it it you know there's studies saying you maybe need to do something for two weeks or whatever but even just doing something one time certainly makes it easier to do it that second time and if you make time and plan it uh or do it with a partner or that's going to help help establish a new healthy healthy habit excellent that would be good and and i might mention that you know there's some good apps um that are helpful for exercising your brain uh or emails or uh things that you can sign up for too oh okay like you can get puzzles or Yep. helpful tips to 
um, use your brain. Yep. Gotcha. Interesting. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to the Prairie Doc radio program, and we will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Being alone or with very limited social interactions during the pandemic can be difficult. With some effort on your part, there are some ways to decrease the effects of isolation. Keep a schedule. Stay active. Do something meaningful like working on your genealogy or organizing photo albums. Connect with others by letter, email, phone, Zoom, or try online games. Find comfort in old movies or lighting a candle and having a cup of tea. These are just a few ideas to get you thinking. You can do this. If you find your loneliness getting out of hand with feelings of depression, call your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings at 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to discuss your medical questions. Um, We've been talking about the brain and how important it is to exercise our brain and some different strategies to um, keep using all those cells that are there. Um, A question came up, what what about some of these uh, supplements or magic pills we hear about um, on infomercials and such? Can can those do the trick? Yeah, you know, if there was uh, one that really it w- was studied show that it would help the brain, I'd be recommending it to everyone for sure. And and those have, haven't shown to be helpful. Now, maybe a person swore by, took it and swore by it and great, good for them. But we, we, we usually shouldn't make it a decision based off of one example of one person. We have to look at the group. And as a whole, when people take those, they're, they're not helpful, unfortunately. Um, but they can claim that because it's not regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. And so they can advertise what they want. And they just have to say at the bottom, this thing has not been is, uh, endorsed or approved by the FDA or this statement. Um, but uh, it, it uh, is more helpful, like I said, to, to exercise and, and exercise the brain in any ways and read and, and do math problems and walk and listen to music and get your sleep and don't take substances that cloud the brain and um, do healthy, eat healthy food. These things have certainly been shown to be more helpful. Yeah, I feel like, um, like we mentioned, this is September. So it's, um, we're kind of establishing some new routines. Kids are going back to school. Um, It's a it's a good time to maybe consider some healthy habits and healthy changes. Is that yeah, right? times of change are the best time to make it make a new habit. Uh, a, a vacation is a great time to quit smoking because your surroundings are all different. You don't have your normal triggers of people around you or places around you that will co- trigger you to want to smoke. And so that's going to be true of any other habit that you're trying to kick. Is if you could ch- change your surroundings or change your habits. Uh, and and when t- during times of change, it's going to be easier to establish new newer healthy habits. Okay, so we'll consider consider those healthy change. Maybe if you have a change in your schedule right now, as we go into fall, um, maybe you can um, consider what healthy changes you want to make. Right? Yeah, like Laura, if your if your kids are out of the house or at school, <laughs> yeah. now's the time to establish those healthier things. I'll have do. to think about what I can do. <laughs> Sounds dishes good. are a great way to, to <laughs> washing the dishes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, sir. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm dead. No, I did them last night, so I'm okay. Yeah, I do have to say he usually does the dishes, so that's pretty nice. 
All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us today on the, and listening on the Prairie Doc radio program. Thank you, Dr. Ellsworth, for being here and sharing your insights with us. Thank we you, hope Laura. We hope you will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. Visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for The Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Andrew Ellsworth for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, Stay healthy out there, people.